The Forum at 8 with Polani Guala. It is eight minutes after eight. A very good morning to you and a warm welcome to the Forum at 8 here on SAFM, South Africa's News and Information Leader. Well, the Department of Political Studies at the University of the Western Cape has hosted us here this morning. They would like us to talk about democracy. They would like us to talk about people's understanding of democracy and whether or not it is working for people. Um, and that's what we'll be talking about here on the program. Democracy as is understood by communities and whether or not uh, people are really um, uh, getting the fruits of democracy in this country. Uh, to talk to us about these matters, let me just go ahead and then introduce our guests. And by the way, just, let me do, just to give you an, under, an idea of um, what is going to happen here this morning, we have uh, academics, we have political analysts, we have students uh, who are thinking deeply about these issues of democracy, but also we have members of the community who will also be assisting us uh, in relation to their experiences of democracy. But my panelists, my guests on the program, let me start with uh, Mrs. Nozizo Madlala Routledge, a founder of Democracy from Below, a very good morning to you, ma'am. Thank you for your time. Good morning, Kolani. Good morning, South Africa. Thanks indeed for coming through. Also here with us this morning, Kenny Bafo is a lecturer here at the University of the Western Cape. Uh, Mr. Bafo, good morning. Morning, Kolani. Thank you for your time. We are also joined by MZ Sibergo. He's a community activist. Uh, Mr. Sibergo, good morning. Morning, Kolani. Morning to the listeners. Thank you very much. As well as uh, uh, Mr. Patrick Lehman, as in Lehman Brothers. He's a student here at UWC. <laughs> Good morning, morning Kolani. Morning, listeners. Thank you very much. Of course, as I said, uh, we also have members of community. Uh, we have students. We have lecturers. We have political analysts. And just, just clap for, your, uh, for being here this morning so that people... That's it. Lovely. Thank you very much. That's, that's your introduction. That's how you're introducing yourself so that people know that uh, these are the people who will be participating in as far as this program is concerned. As usual, of course, we'll be taking your thoughts uh, uh, on 891 We'll be opening the lines a little later on, but also taking SMSs at 34701. Uh, lines uh, on 891 as well as uh, SMSs at 34701. Let me do this, though, before I come back to my panelists here, because on Tuesday we had another discussion in Johannesburg. Uh, we're talking particularly about violence in society. And one of uh, the people who attended that talk was Sikori Lenobo. She's a, a community activist. And she spoke quite eloquently, um, expressing a concern about the space, the democratic space in society, uh, saying that uh, the, the democratic space is narrowing down and that it's becoming a little difficult for communities to express their democratic thoughts in society. She's on the line for me now. Uh, let me welcome her on the line. Good morning to you, Sikori Good morning, Colani, and the listeners. Thank you. You know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to kick off this discussion by again reflecting on what you said the other day. Talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on, on the democratic space that we have uh, in communities. Okay. I, I will be talking as a person who has worked uh, for more than 14 years in um, community activities mm-hmm. and um, ranging from children's rights, women's rights, economic development, climate change and sustainable development. Yeah. One key thing that has come very clear is that each time you approach a community and they raise their issues and then you, you, you train them maybe, and participate them on, on, on how they can then engage with local government to ensure that they are, they are, their issues are, um, are actually attended. We find that the councillors will end up saying, who is this person who is coming to make our communities clever? So you find that people are now owned by councillors. The monopolization for me of spaces by, by, by councillors is becoming an issue. And also trying to get them to 
come and attend community dialogues where communities are raising these issues without them being the lead for the community dialogue. You find that councillors, you will write a letter, and the letter will be received by someone, but you will never get a response as to whether the councillor is coming to the dialogue or not. And then on the day, when on the day of the event, when you have the councillor as one person who is supposed to speak, only to receive a call to be told the councillor is not going to be able to come to your to your community dialogue. This has happened in places like Tendisa, Limpombo, uh, some places in KZN, and I find it as an issue because now the communities are resulting into not using their democratic rights. You find that uh, there are instances where communities are saying we are not going to vote because okay. no one is going to use this name to us. Okay. And, and, and now it's, it's, it's getting to a point where people are no longer using their democratic right to vote because no one, in fact, listens to them. All right. Lolita, thank you very much. Let me come back then to my panelists here. Start again with uh, Mrs. Nozizwe, Majala Routlet. Uh, these are Lolita's concerns. What were your concerns that led you to uh, establishing democracy from below? And what is it? Thank you, uh, Kolani. This year, what I see happening here at UWC is democracy in action. As I've just been listening to Kolile, these are our concerns. Our concerns are about the participation of our people. We find that, um, as she has just described, the councillors, the members of parliament, tend to forget the people who voted for them. Democracy from Below is a campaign born out of discussions with people concerned about accountability and the lack of participatory democracy. It is inspired by mass-based people's campaigns, both here in South Africa and abroad. Democracy from Below is about mobilizing people to claim their rights and build their communities. Democracy from Below is an ongoing campaign to defend, deepen, and advance democracy. We want people to discuss democracy, to define democracy for themselves, say what it means in their lives, and make the rights in the Constitution real. Hmm. Uh, just before I move on to my next panelist, but let's talk a little bit about democracy from below. How different is it from other campaigns that are out there? Uh, even some of the initiatives by, by I mean, we had uh, MBs, for instance, under President Tabumbegi. Uh, we've got uh, taking parliament to the people. Those are the uh, initiatives that are already out there, and people may say, well, those are actually democratic enough. The important thing about this campaign is that it is not top-down. The people themselves will define what their issues are, they are going to get together and discuss how democracy is impacting on their lives. So it is a people's campaign. Mm. And the Constitution allows this. There's government, of course. Government plays its role. There's parliament. It plays its role. But without the participation of the people, this is not going to be a just and true democracy. Mm. Kenny Buffer, let me bring you into this discussion. Uh, one of the critical things I think that uh, Mrs. Mazala Routledge has raised is the issue of people defining their own democracy. The problem with democracy is that you almost always find people uh, dictating to you what it means. Um, good morning to listeners, Kolani. I think the, the main challenge um, with regards to um, dealing with this beast, with this animal, democracy, I think... The main challenge is to, to try and, and move the term democracy away from voting. 
there's an understanding out there that democracy is equal to voting, but there's more to the term. There's more to it. Um, and I think that the challenge for us as South Africans is to, is to look at the term, understand it, define it, and know more about it. It, it, is, to, it, is, it is to own the process. How do we ensure that South Africans own the process? How do we ensure that they, they do not own the process just before and during the election, but also post the elections? Because each and every time we speak about democracy, what comes to people's minds is elections, mm. and nothing after elections. So between the five years of elections, how then do we empower citizens to ensure that they own the process? How do we ensure that those who are elected to parliament account to people? How do we ensure that a person in deep rural areas of KwaZulu-Natal and in the deep rural areas of Limpombo, Eastern Cape, right, are empowered enough to say to the chiefs, to the Indunas, that, look, this is my democratic right. You have no right to, di to dictate terms to me. So it, it is more about... Unpacking this beast and ensuring that we simplify it, we simplify the term and empower people as well. Again, I suppose, uh, Mr. Sbego, will have to share your experiences about how communities are relating to democracy and whether or not, in fact, they are benefiting out of it. Well, my take, Tolani, um, will be that um, generally so far, what uh, the concept of the term democracy has meant for me is that how I respond into a conditioned response by the powers that be. It's how the space has been created for us, we as the public or the community, to respond to the powers that be. Uh, this democracy does not give me the power to dictate the type of life that I want to live. You know, it dictates me to participate in a system that has been designed, you know, and, and, and has been designed to put me into a particular place, and the paradigm, therefore, has been created. Mm -hmm. Therefore, my democratic space is, goes as far as how I move or maneuver within that paradigm that has been created. Mm -hmm. And this has led to a very deep sense of withdrawal in communities um, and a lack of trust to the system. But this, you, you find it in relation to concrete, real material things when you deal with institutions of the state like the hospital, mm. when you go to the hospital, I can tell you many cases, there's a hospital in Pal, the General Hospital, one of the biggest and very beautiful hospitals in the Poland area. <clears throat> you arrive there at 6 evening, you will leave there around 10 tomorrow morning. Mm. You will not be attended. This is not just an exception, it's a general occurrence. Unresponsive state institutions. Exactly. So, democracy comes as, 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 as a, rather than a a concept or a space created for me to participate as an equal, you know, uh, but uh, some kind of a paternalizing concept where, you know, almost like a poor member of the family, you know, whose voice has got to be heard, but not really necessarily taking it, you know, uh, with the seriousness that it deserves. This is what it has meant for us, and this is leading to withdrawal, it leading, is leading to a lot of cynicism, and of course it has other you know, uh, effects, you know, within the communities themselves. Because when the communities cannot relate to the powers that be, all that pent-up energy and pent-up anger, it is used within. And That's interesting. Mr. Lehman, do, do you also ag agree that perhaps the, the service delivery protests, as we call them, are as a result of that pent-up anger where people cannot access the democracy? Yes, I do actually agree. I think it's because... Um, no environment is being created for people to be able to express their thoughts. And I also don't think um, people, the government has been responsive to people's um, ideas on what they think, how they would like to live their lives. And I think um, what's critical about this whole democracy from below is it's creating a democratic culture because 
I feel, speaking from the perspective of youth, um, a lot of people have, don't believe in the democratic system. And I think this is partly due to the fact that people see democracy as voting. They only see it as every five years you vote. I think we need to create a culture where in between those five years people are able to have a space where they can express their thoughts and their feelings on how their life should improve. Mm. Because isn't that what democracy is? That it's being able to affect your life through decisions, yeah. Certainly. And, and by the way, I'm going to go now to, to the podium, get thoughts on these issues, uh, get thinkers to uh, tell us what their thoughts are. But again, Mrs. Matlala Routledge, the issue is, is this by design or default that people aren't benefiting from, from democracy? Do you think that it is, it is because the system is made in a sense that it becomes unresponsive or there are people who make the system that unresponsive? Well, um, to start with, I just want to say that we have a great constitution that gives rights. But the constitution is the starting point. I think a very important thing is for people first to understand what their rights are and also how to engage with the institutions that have been created. If you take, for example, the South African Human Rights, the Commission for Gender Equality, we want to see these structures in our community. We want to be able to say to them, as a person living in this community, this is how I experience the services that are being delivered. But I just want to emphasize this, uh, Kolani, mm. that uh, this is not about complaining. We are here to reclaim our power. We are mobilizing people to understand that the power is in their hands. So when I see so many young people here and academics gathered so early in the morning, I really feel hopeful. Mm. You know, I think um, what is lacking is people need to know the constitution. I don't see now Initially, we used to see these constitutions everywhere. Right now, this, uh, yesterday, we were trying to get hold of a constitution, and in Parliament, we were sent from pillar to post. This constitution is very, very important. This democracy that we have hmm. is very, very important. But that may be a good point as well, because some may say it, it reflects the cleavage that exists between the constitution and people's experiences on a day-to-day -day basis of what that constitution promises, that, that people feel so far away from the ideals expressed in that constitution. There's another issue, Kolani, and you asked me a question. You know, if you look at the justice system, right now, poor people are not getting fair treatment. Those people who've got money can get lawyers, I see a case, for example, in KZN that was concluded in just one day. And I thought there wasn't really fairness in that particular case, most probably because the defendant did not have a good lawyer. So I'm saying in situations like this where business is using their influence, we know because they have money, they can dictate, dictate what's happening in our country. Poor people do not have the resources. That's why we are organizing them to reclaim their voice because it was through them mm. that today we have the democracy. But we've got to establish something before I take the, the, the thoughts on the floor as well. Is this a political movement? We are not a political party. This is a non-partisan non movement. It's a people's movement. I, right. I just want to emphasize something, uh, Kolani. I know Kolile mentioned something about political parties. We need political parties for democracy. But it is not necessary that everybody must be in a political party in order for them to, to, to participate. It is not necessary that they should wear a T-shirt of a particular organization in order for them to claim their rights. All right. Let me get some thoughts. Uh, I'm going to ask you again to please just introduce yourself and, and uh, your comment. 
Thank you very much. My name is Ngosikhulu Nyembezi. I'm a student here at the University of the Western Cape. Question to the panelists is uh, about how can we make this democracy real? Because we have got uh, inv um, invited spaces in South Africa. I mean, we see in terms of public hearings and isimbizos, in terms of elected representatives going to the communities. But uh, in terms of rural areas, informal settlements, this doesn't seem to work. So what is it that we can do differently to acknowledge the invented spaces, to acknowledge that we need not just build the bridges between uh, elected representatives and, and the people, but we need to perhaps break down the, the gap? Right. Um, there's, there's a lady just, just behind here. Good morning, everybody, um, listeners. My name is Brown. I'm a political student as well. I just want to know, yes, the Constitution is right and great, but how do we ensure that the acts and policies are actually enforced the way it should be and there is equal rights for everybody? Uh, like um, one of the panelists was saying, um, when somebody has more money than somebody else, um, their legal rights are more enforced or they have a greater legal advice than someone that does not have money and they have state um, advisors. Let me take uh, another comment before, before yes, yes ma'am. Um, my name is Yang Anzorana. I'm a third year political studies student. Um, my, my comment is that I think democracy is like a, a hypothetical system which does not really deal with our realities as South Africans or Africans as such. And I feel that democracy is the worst kind of dictatorship and that as South Africans we need to find um, systems that will work, um, that will deal with our realities because democracy, like, I, I don't feel it's working for us and the constitution is something that I feel is more like a Bible. Explain, explain to me how, how is it uh, that it is the worst kind of dictatorship? For instance, um, if you vote people to represent you um, in government, you're not actually being part of the decision making okay. and if they're going to, um, like as we have seen, the way things are happening is that um, decisions that are being taken are not decisions that we as the people want or decisions that work for us, but they suit some other person or some other group, um, some other group's objectives or interests and at the end of the day, they are suppressing us as a people mm -hmm. because we're only um, seen as important when it comes to voting. Sure, but you're also suggesting that there could be some form of democracy that's suitable for South Africa, Africa, and some democracy suitable for other people. In other words, uh, different people must have different forms of democracy. Yes. Why that? Um, because um, not every country or every um, society is the same. So if you're going to come with a universal system that mm -hmm. is like a democracy, hmm. it's not going to be... Okay. So it goes back to the point about people defining their own democracy. Um, okay. First, first question that came through here was largely a comment. Then I'm, I'm going to ask you yes, please, Mr. Buffer. Um, I think the, the question deals more with, with the, what are the differences between invited spaces and created spaces? Yeah. I think that is very clear. I think where, where you, when you invite people, you invite people in your own terms. And I think that post-1994, what we need to understand is that we need to create spaces for us to say that this is what we want, this is what we dictate. Post-1994, what I have seen lacking is people claiming their citizenship. It seems to me that after 1994, people have delegated everything to the politicians. I think we need to say to people that democracy has a lot to do with you claiming your space, 
you creating your space, you also have the right to say that we are not going to attend those invited spaces, but rather come to our space. Mm. I think that's how we can own up this process of democracy. But we also had two students, and maybe you can respond to this. I'm going to come back to you in a minute. Uh, students expressing their, their experience of democracy. In fact, I heard from the students, in a way, a response to your question, Polani, where you were saying, is this by design what is happening? In reality is that if there is not a concerted effort to explain to the people what their rights are, to, in, to, to, to have them organize and define for themselves what democracy is. And I want to say, I want to agree with her that, in fact, democracy is contested, like I was saying. You find that those who have money are better able to influence politicians and the gap begins to, to form between the voters and those that voted into power. So to make it alive, we have to keep organizing. We must not separate ourselves from the very achievements that we made in 1994. We must remain involved. Mm. Mrs. Bego, an interesting uh, argument that it's a very it's an old argument really about whether or not you can you can enforce a certain kind of democracy it happened the u.s going to iraq democratizing iraq and also democratizing the middle east people saying well but you know your brand of democracy can't be my brand of democracy your thought i think these views stem from this idea uh, that uh, there is this holy cow called democracy in that we all should drink from its you know it's milk, you know, psychic expressed. Mm. <laughs> and of course, this express, you know, the will of the dominant powers in the world. And I want to agree and concur with, with the lady, um, unfortunately I, I couldn't get her name. Uh, her perception is not, or her perspective is not entirely incorrect, that democracy can be the worst kind of dictatorship. But I think we need to go, get to the level where we realize that democracy is not neutral. You know, we are living in a society with different interests. We are living in a class-divided societies. We are living in the context of national and imperialist domination. Today, you know, um, popularly known as globalization. Mm. And the powers or the forces that control finance, banking, you know, trade, dictate, you know, the cause of democracy in societies. You know, they invite us to the party. In fact, they appropriate the whole concept of democracy. And we become the guests, of, sometimes the unwanted guests at the table of their masters. This is a problem. Mm. But I think what we're saying is that, and as committees, what we're trying to say is that we should contest. At the end of the day, democracy is about power. And without power, you cannot exercise any form of democracy. Okay. On that note, let me, let me just uh, ask people to just think a little bit more about it. Uh, we're going to go back to the studio in Johannesburg. But remember, you can give me a call on 0891 We'll hear more, by the way, from Sikoli Lengnobo, who's also on the other line. Uh, but also come back here more uh, from the students, the political analysts, the academics, uh, their thoughts on democracy in this country and how we make it work for everybody. But for now, let's get your updates. Vabakshini Chet is standing by with the news. The Forum at 8 with Polani Guala. It is now 26 minutes before 9. Remember, we are broadcasting live from the Department of Political Studies at the University of the Western Cape. We're invited by the department to think deeply about democracy and whether or not people are benefiting out of democracy in this country and also just talk about the definitions of democracy. What are some of the, the issues? How does it manifest itself? What are some of the issues involved in as far as uh, democracy is concerned? What I will do is uh, I'll take more thoughts uh, from, from the people who are participating here this morning. Uh, please just raise your hand and then 
end, we'll certainly be there with the microphone. But let me read you some SMSs that have come through uh, um, on our SMS line this morning at 34701. Somebody, in fact, it's Pinky, that says, democracy is when the president is elected by the ordinary people. There is no democracy in South Africa. Also, another one says, U.S. is the example of a democratic state. Obama was elected directly by the people. South Africa is not. Um, Olile is right. Democratic rights are not respected and would like you to host this in Germiston. Please invite us. We'll be more than happy to do so. Yigani says, South Africa is far from being democratic. The president is imposed on the people by the ruling party. Uh, Moloisan in Ermelo says, NGOs in South Africa fit Einstein's definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Utterly useless, apparently. That's according to Moloisan and Ermelo. I'll take more SMSs. 34701. 34701. Let me quickly hear from uh, Mamkosi, who was called on the line. Mamkosi in Johannesburg, good morning. Hi, Polani, how are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for your call. Oh, name is Nongkosi, man. Hi, go ahead, Nongkosi. Um, hi, we spoke on Tuesday, um, a bit briefly about this issue, and my contribution, Polani, to this discussion is, and I think it's based on my experience working in organized communities, which is now referred to as civil society, that, you know, as much as my people might think that um, we have kind of demobilized after 1994, there has been a lot of spaces created by civil society organizations or communities themselves, because the civil society term is also a contested terrain. Um, but the biggest issue here is those spaces are seen as political spaces more than just spaces where people are able to voice their concerns um, to the people that they, they have elected into power. And I'll make an example. Um, for a few months now, um, I think towards the end of last year, um, until just recently, um, last week on Friday, there have been articles written by people like Jeremy Cronin, Figile um, from Nehau, um, Blake Zimande from SACP, attacking um, the formations and communities, um, either civil society or, or communities where um, issues are being raised that concern the everyday livelihood. And these people are actually being labeled as counter-revolutionaries, uh, you know, all, all sorts of terms. And so, for me, it worries me that the people that would have understood what democracy means and liberation means and expression of freedom means are exactly the same people who don't appreciate the value of communities organizing themselves to raise these issues. And this is even going further to some formations that we kind of have faith, faith in, like Kutat, where, you know, political contestation of the state is slowly degenerating um, what could possibly be safer spaces for communities to engage, yeah. um, either with government or amongst themselves. So for me, that's an issue because democracy is executive. Democracy is about people being able to take up issues themselves hmm. and, and not being threatened to raise these issues. But the space is being closed up by our own leaders who, who whether we've elected them or not, but are in positions of power and can have, have a high level of influence in that. So, right. so that is what we need to rethink going forward. All right, Nomkose, thank you very much. Uh, except, of course, uh, some may argue that democracy may also mean that Bladen Zamande, Jeremy Cronin, Figila Majola have the right to say uh, what they think about NGOs. It's, it, it works either way. As much as the NGOs have got the right to say what they think about them, they've also got the right to respond. Uh, what do you think about that, Stolile? For, for me, it's not about us saying the other is good or bad or has the right or not the right. Everyone has a, purely because we are all South Africans, voice our own opinion. But what I'm worried about is that once those spaces are created or you are invited to those spaces, 
there is some kind of censorship around what are you going to contribute towards the issue at, at, on the table. For example, if you are talking on, um, on, on service delivery, they, they, they wouldn't expect you as someone who's been invited to a space to tell it as it is. They want you to sugarcoat the facts. And from where I'm standing is we have done that for a long time, um, giving it the facts that we said, we said people who are in positions of power, they, 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 not, they were previously disadvantaged, hence maybe they don't have the skills or the knowledge to respond to the issues at play. I mean, right now we are almost 20 years after democracy. Even if you started going to school back then, you would by now be at, at a university level, which means we have had time to acquire the skills to respond to democracy mm. and also to respond to, to, to the issues, whether are, are developmental issues on the table. So I find it very um, uncomfortable being in some of the invited spaces. Hence, we have looked at creating spaces. And when we do create spaces and invite people to come and speak, you, we find that you are sent a junior person who will not, uh, in fact, um, uh, have the right to say, this is how it's going to happen. They okay. don't send decision-making people. They just send a person to represent a particular department okay. or a particular uh, government. Entity. All right. It's called a standby. Uh, I'll come back to you uh, as well as my other panelists in a minute. Let me take Advocate Mandula, also in Johannesburg. Advocate, good morning. Well, and I think the uh, debate is very relevant, but what is important is the issue of human rights, uh, education, and to remember Anthony Mzwake, because he has given us the meaning of African democracy, where he was talking about issues of consultation, he spoke about the issues of traditional courts being relevant, but what is key in even democracy is the people's participation, and finally, Colin, as uh, one of your guests stated clearly, the institutions supporting democracy, where are they in this juncture when we are almost 19 years of, of, of our time to say how have they done with the issues of human rights education and assisting people to claim their rights. So it's very critical for us to look at this concept as we are celebrating Africa Month. Thank you. Fantastic. Advocate Mandula, thank you very much. Let's get some more thoughts. Um, is the microphone, mm-hmm. sir? Uh, good morning, South Africa. Um, my name is Hein. Uh I would just like to say as a 21-year-old South African, um, I'm extremely unhappy with the democratic system that we are living in. It's basically based on capitalism and imperialism and uh, neo-colonialism that was never actually, we as South Africans, we have never actually gotten uh, repensation, re- reparations, no re- redistribution of land, there's no true economical freedom. It's not really a democracy, it's more of a corporacracy because our mines are owned by the, by, by lawn mines. Uh, Andres Tatana got shot. You said that we should claim our citizenship, citizen, citizenship and then uh, with the service delivery protest, when we do claim our citizenship, we actually get shot down mm. by the police who is actually protecting the elite because our economy is still in the hands of the minority. 
uh, 10% of our wealth is owned by 10% of the population in South Africa. United States enforces the democracy on every country in the world. And like in Egypt, everybody is unhappy with Morsi. If we look at Russia today, which is more of the Soviet media component in our, in our dispensation, we see that nobody is happy in Egypt. Uh, the hunger, these USA is locking people up in Guatemala. People are going on hunger strikes. So Continuum. it's a really, it's a really, um, it's dynamics and it's a paradigm. And as scholars and as, as and as pop, as a population, we should actually know that our media is still controlled by Naspers. Naspers mm. is uh, was started by Herzog. Herzog is the same person that uh, established the National Party. So our media and Naspers didn't apologize at the Truth and Rights Commission. Mm. They, they refused. Right. So and they and still you say that on uh, Press Freedom Day, eh? Uh, because it is Press Freedom Day today. <laughs> All right, let me take some more thoughts. Yes, ma'am. Hi, um, it's Ayanda Nyoka here. Um, what I think about democracy, I think that democracy embodies both rights and responsibilities. But I think it's quite unfortunate that in, in the 19 years that we've had democracy, there's been perhaps an overemphasis on, on the claim to rights and, and really being, not, not really emphasizing what citizen responsibilities are. If you look at what's happening in terms of service delivery protests, etc., I think there's an element there that we're missing in terms of our responsibilities as citizens. So I'm very much interested to find out how this new movement, you know, will not, how that will activate, you know, um, citizen responsibility and not just merely focus on, on, on the claim to rights. So if you could just comment on that, how you will focus on that particular element. Very interesting. Uh, we'll get uh, Mrs. Marcella Routledge to respond to you in a minute. Let me take some more thoughts first. Uh, at the back there is a microphone. All right, there's a microphone right there. My name is Lerato. I'm studying Masters in Theology. Well, uh, I am one of the unwanted guests in democracy because I'm not a card carrier of any political organization, but I want to be involved. I want to see justice being done. But every time I comment about democracy, my so-called uh, colleagues or students in political organization, they tell me they can't listen to someone who's not a card carrier of any political organization. But um, last week, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the coordinators of a student initiative project. We go to communities and we help out with, uh, with, uh, with our, whatever the problem is. Last year, we did tutoring. There was a fire disaster here in Cape Town, so we went there to help. But what we experienced is that um, there's, there's, there's a gap. Well, people vote, people vote for a committee in a community to yeah. lead them. Mm -hmm. But what happens is that when that committee gets to leadership, there is a gap that is created between the people and the, the committee. Mm -hmm. Now you find out that the committee has forgotten the needs of the people and democracy becomes democracy for a minority of people or relatives. We find out everyone in that community that we went to last week, there's no help, but there, there has been money that has been put in there, but only relatives and minority of people were, were, were helped. Okay. But now, uh, as, as, as a, a, a theologian, I think that if the, the gap between the committee that is elected by the people or the councillors and the people can be bridged by student initiative projects or uh, faith-based organizations where they come in and, and see that, because we are passionate people, we are passionate about what we are doing, we'll see that these, these services that need to be delivered in, mm. the, in the community will be delivered if 
We work through. Uh, Important point as well, because there's been a lot of questions asked about the role of faith-based organizations and communities today, um, as opposed to, of course, the role that they played prior to uh, the liberation back in 1994. Let me take some calls, and I'm going to ask my, my panelists then to respond. Let me go to Sandy. Let me drain. Hello, Sandy. Hi, Good morning. What my contribution is simple, though, is how does people able to challenge or enjoy what they don't know? So we never enjoyed this democracy because we never understood it, what it's all about. The constitution, we're talking about how much exposure do we have on it. So the most important thing here is not to say things are going wrong, but to say what do we need to step up on because we have already got something now. Sure. And now we need to step up and start learning about this democracy, how to challenge and how to complement what government is doing and how to elect correctly. Because we cannot just be complaining about what you don't know. Alright, so in other words, we need to understand what benefits should accrue anyway by virtue of the fact that we have democracy. And know the responsibility goes with. Because that's another problem. We think that we just need to get things. We don't realize that we need to be building things together. Fantastic, Sandy. Thank you. Loiso is here in Cape Town. Hello, Loiso. Kulani, how are you? I'm good. Welcome. Uh, hello to you, guest to you. Kulani, I think my take on the topic is that Democracy for me is a secondary issue. The, the, the primary issue first is to have an identity as a nation. We're still grappling with issues of identity, and then we are rushing to secondary issues such as democracy. We, 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 we will battle forever until we are able to define ourselves as a nation. You see, the problem we are having in this country already is our constitution. Who says... South Africa belongs to all who live in it. But the people who claim to be indigenous people of the land do not own nothing. And they are expected to define what democracy means. I think the whole discussion is two-step. We should begin with understanding ourselves. All right. Louis, so in other, uh, let me understand you, Louis. Sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, because let me understand you. You say we must define ourselves ideologically. Is that what you mean? Absolutely. You can never... Colonel, you can go anywhere in the world. Tell me which country that have no identity. I mean, if, if people do not know who they are, they can never able to define their, 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 their map route. But so you know, for it's example, if you go to Ghana, Ghana belongs to Ghanaians. You go it, to China, China belongs to Chinese. England belongs to British. South yeah. Africa belongs Louis, to all of huh? Louis, so yes, yes. Well, it's interesting what you're saying because then it, it goes against exactly what Sikolida was saying, that in order for you to access some rights, you've, you've got to firstly identify yourself politically because what you are saying is identify yourself ideologically, which effectively means identify yourself politically first. So I can't be a citizen that accesses democratic rights unless I'm, I'm a political citizen first. Absolutely. And ours, we, we must also understand, we as Africans, then how do we define this, or how do we view our democracy as African? Because remember, we, we, before this uh, uh, Western democracy was imposed, uh, or the pre-colonial era, we had our own ways of doing, I mean, democracy was here. We, we're not fighting for democracy. I, I hear people often say, we fought hard for this democracy. We never fought for democracy. We never fought for rights. We had our own rights. We had our own democracy. Well, the, the, the struggle for, 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 our, for our people is land, Polanyi. 
Once we defy, when we digress to this issue of land, then we will fumble forever until we know that we, uh, uh, the struggle is not about democracy or being in parliament or whatever. The struggle is about land. Okay, Loisa, thank you very much. Let me take some more thoughts. Hi, it's Cheryl Africa from um, the Political Studies Department. Just to say that we must remember that we've moved from being a highly militarized society on the brink of civil war to our constitutional democracy. So for me, it's not that democracy is the wrong system. It's that we also need to move towards achieving freedom, justice, and equality. And a very important aspect for me is something not discussed in political science textbooks. It's empathy. And in particular, people who have need to develop empathy for those who don't have. So that's the point I'd like to make. All right. Thank you very much. Let me come back to you, uh, Mrs. Matlala Routledge. There was a question, a specific question for you that came through here about rights versus responsibilities. Thank you. I just want to pick up on what Kolile was saying about the narrowing of the space for people to express themselves and protest. We have a right in our constitution for people to protest as long as that protest is nonviolent. What we are finding now is that this space is becoming militarized, as you heard right now from one of the people who contributed. When people are protesting and raising their concerns, they are actually attacked by the police. Yesterday we heard from somebody in Philippi who was uh, beaten by the police, thrown into the Casper, and driven for kilometers not knowing what wrong he had done. All he had done was to go there to listen to the people whose homes were being demolished. I think this issue of responsibility, I would agree with you. It goes side by side with the issue of rights. But in South Africa, we have created a situation where people are becoming so dependent on the state, and the state itself, especially when elections are coming, will talk about, we're going to give you a social grant, we're going to give you a house, we're going to give you this, we're going to give you that. And forgetting that people in the rural areas, for example, are building their own homes. All they need is support when they need a road, when they need a clinic. But they are building their own homes, and we can learn from this. What people want is to be able to have a job. What they want is to have land. They want to be able to sustain themselves in our country. Okay. Let, let me wrap up. And Mr. Liman, I'm going to come to you in a minute. Let me wrap up with some calls. People have been holding for a while. Philip in KZN? Yes, 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 Yeah, go ahead, please. Uh, yes. You know, Kalani, this democracy of ours has been hijacked and has become useless and irrelevant. You know, how can we as Africans in our own land be told by those Indians uh, that our sisters who uh, are supposed to serve them with food, that uh, they are smelling by a nunga, uh, in mm. our own land, and uh, nothing is being done by the government to actually take out these Indians back to their own land with their racist uh, attitude. And the two, Kalani, you know, Kalman said, the who commands means of production is the one who controls the state and commands the state. No effort by our government to get, get people into active uh, uh, economy. Instead, our children at schools in Natal are being given condoms. Instead of education, mm. they are given matchmates instead of real maths because the aim is to make them become muddled. And we call that democracy. Our right. leaders totally tell them there in some city that they appear to be too hungry to go and eat food of the racist Indians. All right.
All right, Philip, unfortunately, uh, uh, you'll you get responses in a minute. Uh, pretty angry, Philip, on the line. Thanks indeed. Some SMSs, by the way, Liz in Durban says the government is trying to restrict the press, which is not democratic. People must react against this. Uh, also, Mavusana, with the ETOLs, labor brokers, and the Gupta's treatment, clearly there's no democracy in South Africa. Another one uh, comes from Mo in Bloom. To the poor and ignorant, democracy has been portrayed as voting for the ANC. Uh, Shai says democracy in South Africa will come when the people vote for their leaders directly. Uh, Kohn's, it says, Mamno Zizwe is spot on. Law and democracy is like a spider web. It catches the weak whilst the strong escape. Uh, Rose and Durban, is African culture an impediment to democracy? While, with male uh, domination, the situation is thus. Uh, the men are elected democratically, then rule as dictators. Best of all worlds for them. That's according to Rose and Durban. Clan in Togoza, the voted account to the party, not the people. Hence, democracy is dead in South Africa. Uh, Senegal in the free state, Zwane from Senegal in the free state, democracy by design is to get the votes from the poor and monies from the rich. These are some of the SMSs coming through. Mr. Liman, you wanted to contribute something. Yeah, it was just to touch on the issue of responsibility. I think we, the reason it's so hard for people to take responsibility of their own lives is because we live in such a top-down political structure and society that... The space needs to create, be created where people can identify their own issues, but also identify solutions to their own issues. Because a lot of these issues are community-based, and I think the problem is we have a government in Pretoria that is trying to solve our issues from so far away mm. that communities are not able to solve their own issues. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, communities are not able to solve their issues. Do you agree, Z? They are not, in the sense that their voices are just merely that voices, but their voices do not carry power. And I've made a point that at the end of the day, democracy is about power. It's about how to alter power relations in society. And what this, uh, I'll make a typical example. We had pre-94 a democratic culture and a democratic system that evolved within the National Liberation Movement. We had street committees where we took decisions about the state of our lives. You know, we, we had branch committees, etc., etc. What happened to that culture? It was appropriated. Parliament became the new place where we're told democracy sits at. Mm. And all those who want to practice it or who have the will or the powers and the, uh, the executive decisions to implement democracy must go via Parliament. But and you see, there's, there's, there's a disagreement in a sense about what happened. Because some people say, and you say, it was appropriated. But others say, communities handed their power over to the politicians. Which one happened? Was it appropriated or communities themselves voluntarily handed the power over to politicians? Well, it was appropriated in the sense that communities were misled by their leaders to hand over the power. The democratic system, it's not, it's a well-designed system to serve power. Mm. And, and, you know, we used to have, it was easy to access a community hall, a school, to hold a public meeting of the, of the community. But today you can't have that. If a community wants to gather, they must pay out money. You know, a lot of money. And this is a community that is that not That may be misconstrued by others to suggest that there was more democracy under apartheid than there is now. No, no, no. There was democracy under the spaces that the people created for themselves under apartheid. Mm. This is a qualitative uh, factor which must be considered. Okay. Here's a, a, a closing remark, uh, Mr. Bafo. Um, you know, listening to, to the callers and to, to the um, students here, I'm, I'm trying to, to, to make sense of what 
the word democracy is. It's easy for me to explain it in English, but how do I explain democracy in my own language, closer? As a closer speaking person, how do I go to Google it? How do I go to a rural area in KwaZulu-Natal and, and, and be able to, to explain simply what democracy is? It seems to me that when I explain it in Kosovo and someone else explain it in Zulu and someone else explain it in Sipid, there is, um, there's just, we, we, we've, we sort of we don't find each other, but in English there mm. seems to be consistency. So, so at the level of interpretation, there seems to be a problem. Mm. That's the first thing. And the other thing is even the language, the language that we use in defining and also explaining democracy is not for the downtrodden. It's not for the illiterate people. I mean, this is a country where illiteracy rate is very high. Mm. This is a country where we have a, a number of unemployed people, and most of them, they do not even have grade five. How then do you go down and explain what democracy is to them in a language that they understand? It's going to be very complex. How, how do you plan on doing it then from democracy uh, from below? I agree with you, uh, Kenny. With language comes domination. But we want to re reignite the spirit of the Freedom Charter. During that time, the Congress of the People brought people from all corners of South Africa. People were able to express themselves in their own languages. We're going to simplify these issues. We're going to ask people to define them for themselves in mm. their own language. What we are wanting to also remind people is that even though we have this country being a democracy, we also need to realize that we have other people who are living in our country, who are contributing to our country, or who have escaped war from their own countries. And we need to treat them as we like to be treated ourselves. Sure. We find that with this idea of a South African identity,